When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Bears fans, to the CHGO Bears podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And what is going on, everybody? Surprise! It's Thursday, but it's a CHGO Audible Day. It's, it's Will DeWitt and Nicholas Moriano, one week removed from night one of the NFL draft, and we're excited to kind of break down, analyze, and set expectations for the entire Bears draft class and a whole lot more what's going on nick nothing much well we're just trying to keep uh our listeners viewers on their toes as we're kind of mixing up these days when's the chicago audible throwback day gonna be could it be thursday could it be friday this week's on a thursday as um you know the good old days that's that's when we recorded most of our podcast yep that's right thursday is historically an audible day so it just makes a lot of sense and i'm excited there's a lot for us to talk about here today we're also going to look at the Bears undrafted free agents and identify a couple of our favorites. And I, I think, Nick, today is May 4th. So may the 4th be with you. I like the shirt. Very festive. You know, uh, well, it's the only Star Wars shirt that I actually own. And it, it comes it comes in handy sometimes. Went to the gym this morning. And if you wore a Star Wars shirt, you got a free protein shake. So it worked out. May the 4th be with all of you. And maybe you'll get free protein shakes, too. And we have a couple Star Wars twists to our segments, which I'm very excited about, but we'll get to them in a minute. Here at the top of the show, I know you have a bird's eye view of all things Arlington Heights since you moved there months ago, and you're just keeping tabs on everything as you got there first before the Bears. So you're kind of just mm -hmm. like laying down the groundwork. Speaking of groundwork, you want to kind of share some, I think, recent news that kind of came on last night so after our previous podcast that if our listeners haven't heard about yet, I'm sure they would really appreciate this update. Yeah, and I'm just going to give credit to the Chicago Tribune and the writers Robert McCopin and A.D. Quigg, who did a really good in-depth breakdown and one that would be, you know, helped me understand what exactly is going on. So basically the Bears filed paperwork on Wednesday to start demolition of Arlington International Racecourse. Uh, the team also said this does not mean they're going ahead with the $5 billion plan to build a new enclosed stadium with housing, bars, and restaurants, etc. Okay, Bears, we'll, we'll see about that one. But this comes a day after Crane's Chicago Business reported that the Cook County Assessor raised the assessed value of the property to roughly equal the purchase price, which was $197 million. Here's where there's some complications here will if this is approved they are raising the assessed value this would increase the likely uh, annual property tax to about 16 million a year it was only 3 million with when arlington international race course was operating so the bears are going to make their case essentially that this assessed value is too high and to knock it down to the 37.2 million which the Bears argue is the land's appraised value. And that hearing is tentative, tentatively scheduled to take place in June. So a lot of numbers being thrown out there. Here's kind of my take on this. The Bears are already filed paperwork to start demolition. Um, the Bears are already looking into moving into Arlington International, you know, making that their new home. So regardless of what this assessed value price is at, even though it may be unfair for the Bears, it almost seems like they're going to be stuck with it regardless because they want to move. It's going to happen. 
and whatever this price ends up being like, that's what's going to be end up being paid at some point. So it just seems like um, for the bears, we already know their hand. We've right. We, we see the cards in play. So I guess we'll see how this plays out. But like I said, that meeting is tentatively scheduled to take place in June. Now I'm not an expert on all things land purchasing other than buying a house. Um, but it just, to me, feels like an appropriate next step as they kind of go through this journey. There are going to be some logistics as you go through and some battles, and this makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense for them too. So it doesn't mean a hundred percent that they are moving. This is the beginning of it, but it does mean progress is still being made for their whole acquisition uh, in that area. Did I kind of like summarize that correctly? Yeah, basically you, you took a, a lot of what uh, the, I guess the bigger numbers and stuff and made it really simple for people, but that's how it, that's how it should be viewed. There we go. People are excited. That's their Chicago Audible Day. I saw a comment from Sir Tyron, uh, Nick and Will in the morning. It's from a show called Community. It's a great show. If you haven't seen it before, they may actually get to make a movie. Who knows? But regardless, that's not the pop culture references that we're hitting here today. Because, Nick, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the show. We're going to start ex uh, expectation setting for the Bears rookies. And I called this segment Bears Wars Episode 4 a new draft. So let's begin with Darnell Wright. Now I'm just going to be upfront. He's going to give up sacks this season. Don't expect mm -hmm. that because he didn't give up any sacks last year in college that he's not going to give up a single sack this year. I was looking at some numbers of offensive tackles a year ago that were rookies. No rookie that played at least 700 snaps last year gave up less than five sacks. And I would expect Darnell Wright. He's going to be a week one starter. He's going to play in the thousands. I would expect him to as long as he stays healthy. So, again, it's bound to happen at the next level. So, as we're setting expectations, when you see Darnell Wright make a mistake or a guy just beats him because he's now going up against NFL talent, it's going to happen. So, don't get too freaked out. That's where I'm going to start this, Nick. Yeah, for, for me with Darnell Wright, like you said it perfectly. He's going to get beat. He's going to give up sacks. He's going to have bad games. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. It doesn't matter that he's a top 10 pick. Like every single rookie goes through these roller coaster, a roller coasters in within a season. My thing for him, because we do like you, he's going to be penciling in as a day one, week one starter for the Bears on the offensive line. What I do want to see is not even that like him not making mistakes or not even making the same mistake twice. It's knowing what the mistake is and knowing how to correct it. And maybe he doesn't do that the first time, the second time, but maybe he gets it the third time. So understanding what is it that he did? Did he, you know, overplay, you know, a, a certain run play? Did he over overstep on a pass set? So whatever it may be, like just understanding what the problem is. And then you can get to working on whatever nuanced footwork or, you know, hand placement that you have to do to ensure that that mistake doesn't happen a second time row or, or, you know, it doesn't happen at all, but that's going to take time throughout the course of his rookie season. So as long as Darnell Wright gets that, I, I think, you know, bears fans are going to be good with, with how he's playing and how he kind of, you know, just grows within his rookie season. And regardless of, you know, what that ceiling is or what the floor may end up being, I would call the floor still an improvement over what the bears had at the position a year ago, he's going to be better than Larry Borum was. He's going to provide stability on the right side of that offensive line, stout in the running game. He's going to help set a tone for that Bears up front with that nasty demeanor. And again, I think regardless, like if we're looking at where to peg him, I think upgrade with the understanding that he can really achieve some really good things as a rookie. Now, I know, Nick, you weren't on the live show like at Joe's throughout the draft, but right after the pick happened, Corey Wooten said he's going to be a rookie pro bowler. I think that is very high aspirations. I, I love the confidence in him, but is that a fair bar to set? Cause I, I personally may disagree. It's a tough bar to set there. Well, um, when you think about like, what, what is it? One, what does it take to be a pro bowler? One, you need to be a good team. Usually, honestly, like that's what it, what it comes down to in the end. Sometimes like, individually you can have a good season but sometimes those players just get overlooked if they're not on a winning football team so that's probably the first obstacle and the second one like you are gonna have to go face Aiden Hutchinson and you know twice a year you have to face some good pass rushers and 
if this offense, let's see, if the offense does take a second, this this next step this year with Justin Fields, his passing numbers increase, the rushing attack is still a proficient one, then you can maybe, well, why is this happening? Well, look at the offensive line. Look at Darnell Wright. And if he's not giving up the sacks, then, yeah, he, I mean, could be a pro bowler, but I'm not going to set those expectations for him. It's not going to be a failed season if Darnell Wright isn't a pro bowler. If he's still ascending and make, becoming a good player, that's perfectly fine with me. I mean, just look at all the tackles in the conference alone and only a handful end up making the Pro Bowl anyway. So even if he ends up not making a Pro Bowl, but I would say his ceiling, a good way to just quantify it or qualify it would be the top tackle in his draft class. Like come the end of the year, you can look at the Bears and say, damn, they made a really good pick. They have a guy at right tackle. And obviously there are some ups, there are some downs, but they have a foundational piece up front, a franchise right tackle. And then when I look at maybe the floor, I still think top five uh, for rookie tackles is where I'm going to set it. I don't have really major reservations of him struggling uh, more so than his peers, at least come year one. Yeah, well, you know, here's an interesting comment from Edward Elric here. If he performs to a similar level or better of Braxton Jones last season, it'll be a success. I'll say this. He, for Darnell Wright, he can't have the low of lows that Braxton had. And mm -hmm. when I think of, like, those low games, it's a, the second game against Detroit where you're like, man, Braxton Jones is getting beat. He's getting driven back. Like, that was a bad game from, from, from Braxton Jones. So... Uh, he needs to play better than him in his first season, and he should, being a first-round draft pick, you know, compared to a fifth-round draft. But just what he already has is, you know, better than what Braxton Jones had coming into the league. And he just can't have those lows that, that Braxton had. If he And if he does, he needs to quickly rebound within a game, not maybe the next week. So it's an interesting comment from Edward, but, you know, there's bits and pieces we can take from that when it applies to Darnell Wright. I saw a good comment here from uh, Doggy Low. How many sacks given up will be too many? That's a really tough question. Mm -hmm. Again, at least uh, out of all the rookies last year at tackle, if they played 700 or more, every single one gave up five or more sacks all the way up to 10. So uh, okay. using that, I would say more than 10 would be you know outrageous. Uh, but if it's in the five to seven, eight range, I would call that reasonable for a rookie tackle uh, and for Darnell Wright. I, I forgot there's another point I wanted to make about him. Oh, you were mentioning like uh, Larry Borm getting walked back a ton in that Lions game. And I just wanted to reiterate a strength of Darnell Wrights, which mm -hmm. gives me hope why that won't be the case. Is that strong anchor that you hear the Bears talk about consistently when they bring him up. And like Pulse gushes about that strong anchor and talks about even if he doesn't get his hands right, his feet right in any given down, any given set, he has such a strong anchor that he can still lock down guys with pure core strength. And that's something that Larry Borum, good guy, put in a lot of work here in Chicago, but that's a natural innate ability and trait to have. And he doesn't have it like Darnell Wright. And that's why the Bears drafted right. Exactly. Well, like there are things that Darnell Wright already has that are going to be beneficial to him right when he stepped onto the football field as a rookie. Like you, that anchor is going to be important. The other thing too, like obviously these guys are all going to be learning the playbook. We're going to get to the rest of the rookies here in a sec, but he plays with this nastiness, this physicality. Mm -hmm. Let that, you got to let that show out consistently. That's who you are. That's why the bears liked you. So even if you're, you know, processing and maybe don't even get the play right, you finish to the whistle. Like we always hear that from like Pop Warner to all the way to the NFL. You play to the whistle is blown and you do that with the physicality that Darnell Wright naturally possesses. So if he can do that in his rookie season, I'm sure we're going to see great things. And as the course of the year goes on, we're going to know like that's why the Bears, you know, made him the 10th overall pick. All right, let's move on here to the defensive line. So it's, is it Gervon Dexter? Is that how you pronounce it on the last show we were on? Or did you do it wrong? I did it wrong. It's Gervon. Okay, I'm making sure. Because I've yeah, been saying yeah. Jervon, but I have you here, and I forgot to check pre-show. So I figured it's a good time to set the record straight. So Jervon Dexter Sr., he's another player, Nick, where I expect him to make some plays, but I don't know if it's going to be a ton when I look at this upcoming year for him and maybe we can talk about him and Zach Pickens at the same time. Cause they're drafted mm -hmm. around the same spot in the draft. They're going to play similar positions. I think both of them are going to just be solid and great. 
still potentially upgrade the Bears room, uh, but it's just they found like a year to kind of build their foundational skills. Uh, when I look at all rookie defensive tackles last year, Logan Hall kind of led the way. He had three sacks and 17 pressures, which is not mind boggling numbers. And he was taken 33rd overall. Second was Devontae Wyatt, who had two sacks, eight pressures. So for either of these guys, whether it's Pickens, whether it's Dexter, I would not expect five plus sacks. I would not expect double uh, like 20 plus pressures. They're going to be rotating. There's a lot of bodies up there. And I just want to like make sure we're setting that realistic expectation for both these players. And I don't think numbers are going to do them justice. There's a lot more to the numbers. I'm sure you're going to have a little bit of that here too, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more to the numbers, and specifically, let's let's talk about Jervon Dexter. What what he's going to be asked to do in this Bears defense is different from what he did at you know Florida. So I think that's going to be something that's going to take an adjustment period too. And also, we got to factor in like Justin Jones is still here. Yes, he right. Is. He's still one year one year left on his contract, and a big thing with Matt Eberflus, like it's going to be a competition. Like you had to compete to earn that starting job. And if I were to guess week one, who was a starting three tech, it's probably going to be Justin Jones, right? And alongside maybe, I don't know, is it Andrew Billings or is Zach Pickens or will Javon Dexter also move down to the nose? Like they, Ryan Pohl said there was going to be some interchangeability versatility with Javon Dexter, Zach, Zach Pickens. So we have to see how that all plays out, but I think for for Jervon, and you know, I did reach out, got in contact with his defensive line coach, kind of exchanged a few messages. Hopefully, want to get him on the podcast just to kind of explain what his responsibilities were in that um, defense in Florida. But I think it's going to be something where you have to wait and see a little bit, especially from the interior defense alignment. But I, I said this before, and I'll say it again: I do like that they took you know three swings at that interior defensive mm-hmm. line position because it's so important to this defense what what it's asked to do and how it affects everybody else but that's going to be something where i think ultimately it's going to be wait and see approach absolutely and i see comments i guess it's still kind of fuzzy for you guys i don't know what's going on you can blame xfinity i have gigabit internet i am hardwired you guys are coming nick's coming in to clear for me it seems seamless but my my camera looks clear I, i don't know what it is here today but i apologize but just let my voice do the talking here today and just look at Nick's pretty face over on the other side of the screen. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, all right, question for you about Zach Pickens. Two-parter, and it may be easy question or simple question, complicated answer time. Is it possible for him to outplay Dexter in year one? And if so, that wouldn't necessarily mean bad things for Dexter and his chances of having a successful year in Chicago, right? Is it possible? Yes. And would it be bad? I don't think it would be bad. Um, I think Zach Pickens, what he was asked to do at South Carolina is more um, natural to what he's going to be doing with the Bears at that three-tech position, kind of getting upfield, penetrating through the, your your one-gap system that they, like to, that they run here in Chicago, and then making plays in the backfield. So it wouldn't be crazy. Like I was watching, and I still didn't watch more tape on both these guys, but I really – I, I like what Zach Pickens potential can be. And, you know, there, and obviously Javon Dexter also made a lot of good plays too, but I think that that wouldn't be the craziest thing. And I hope that doesn't sour bears fans perception of Javon Dexter and what he can be. Cause again, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a learning period. And once he, or maybe it unlocks him and is like, Oh, now I can just go off the snap because I think the biggest thing right now, I don't even think it's get off. I know where a lot of people are talking about get off. I think it's reaction time. Mm. And, and that, that does play into your get off. But because when I see him come off the snap, there's power. There's obviously he has the strength to do so, but it's just a little late. And I know he's, you know, read and react is what he was playing at Florida. But I think that it's there. You just need to be coached into it. And so I don't think it's crazy to think that Zach Pickens may have statistically a better season than Javon Dexter in year one. All right, let's move on to Tyreek Stevenson here. I'm just going to come out and ask you, Nick, am I crazy to think that he can have a, quote, better year as a rookie than we just saw with Kyler Gordon? Um, I don't I don't think that's crazy because he's going to be locked into the outside boundary corner. And unlike Kyler Gordon, he was nickel, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. outside. They, they put him where, you know, wherever the defense kind of needed him. 
we know where Tyreek Stevenson's going to be. So I think he's going to have more reps, more familiarity at a position that he's been playing for a long time. And he has good balance, good instincts, plays physical. So Tyreek Stevenson's a guy I really like, and he's another one of those players come week one opposite of Jalen Johnson. And I know Kendall Vildor is not going to just hand him the job. Here you go. Take my starting outside cornerback job, but he's going to really compete. And I think earn that job week one to be that boundary corner, but he easily could, um, you know, have a better season than, than Kyler Gordon. We got a bold prediction from money man in the chat. Terrell Smith will take Tyreek Stevenson's job, Ooh, which okay. spicy, which wouldn't that be something here? So I'm not, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I will call it a bold prediction here on the fourth of May heading into rookie minicamp, which starts tomorrow. So I looked at Martin Emerson, Nick, uh, who was drafted by the Browns last year okay. in the fourth round, fourth pick, sorry, fourth pick in the third round, similar style cornerback, similar build. And I think for Stevenson, he's coming into a better situation in Chicago this year than we saw Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker enter last year, just in terms of the talent around them at linebacker, defensive line. Like it has been improved here, which will help Stevenson. But Emerson, as a rookie, allowed four touchdown throws, but only had an 85 passer rating when targeted. He didn't have an interception, but he did have nine PBUs and a very impressive 53 completion percentage when targeted. So about 50-50 when he was thrown to. So for me, around those lines could be like a ceiling or maybe just something similar for him. But I thought it was an interesting comp just looking at where they're drafted, the style of play. Emerson played most of the snaps last year for the Browns. So Stevenson, even though he was drafted later than we saw Gordon last year, I really do believe is set up to have more success. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, just knowing that how why Eberflus and him connected in the first place, because he reminds him of that old school football that used to play tough and physical is what they the conversation they had during their 30 visit. So I do like that. I'm, I'm curious, Money Man, um, for Terrell Smith, what do you like about him? So as you're kind of just thinking about putting the comments here, but that's another guy that I, I want to go. I need to go watch a lot more of. But listening to the scouts talk about him, the Bear Scouts. He's a guy that, although he's tall and lengthy, is able to read and react. It can play zone and man equally as good. And is a guy that, again, you know, has those physical intangibles that they really like at the cornerback position. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, on Friday and Saturday. Tomorrow, uh, Bears rookie minicamp, we're going to see, you know, a portion of what, you know, we'll see in training camp, obviously, but, you know, looking forward to seeing those guys and seeing how they move, react, and just take in this whole new experience. It, it is being a pro in the NFL. Rookies have it hard, man. They have it real difficult. They train for their senior or junior seasons throughout the entirety of that offseason program, do a whole football year. Maybe you play a bowl game. Maybe you don't. You train for the combine, you do the combine, you do all these interviews, you do your pro day, you do more interviews, you get drafted, you have to find out what city you're going to. And a week yep. later, you're starting mini camp, and then you have OTAs, and then training camp, and then another football season. So they don't even get a break really until after the rookie year, which is why I think you do see not just the experience, but that's why another reason why you see a jump from year one to year two, because they do get a time to relax, be a person and mm -hmm. just let their bodies heal for just a little bit. But I'm excited for your guys' report tomorrow from Bears rookie minicamp. And we're going to kind of pause right here and we're going to set expectations for the remainder of the rookies in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, me and my Nintendo 64 bit self have to share a couple of messages over to you. So Shopping for an engagement ring can be intimidating. I'm speaking from experience here. There's a lot to know when making a big decision, like finding that perfect engagement ring. And that's why you should visit James and Sons Fine Jewelers, one of the largest family-owned independent jewelers in Chicago land in business since 1964. That's longer than both my parents have been alive. So, uh, Sunderland family members are working in the stores every single day, professional no pressure staff, which is really nice. Hate to be pressured when you're looking at jewelry. Stop in, have a beer or another tasty beverage, and just relax and enjoy your engagement ring shopping experience. They have a massive selection of stunning rings, and they carry both natural and lab-grown diamonds, and you can compare them side-by-side side and see if you can even tell the difference. They offer the James & Sons No BS Warranty with all kinds of perks at no extra charge on every single engagement ring. They have four Chicagoland locations, Lincoln Park, Naperville, 
Olin Park, Cherville, Indiana, right by Braggs' house, uh, and also online at jamesandsons.com. Elevate your engagement ring shopping experience and find the perfect ring at an incredible value at James and Sons Fine Jewelers. Visit jamesandsons.com and get started today. Did the Bears find a gem in the 2023 NFL draft? Well, we're talking about it, and I think you can read between the lines. I think you can read between the lines, and uh, I like that 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 ending there, Will. Um, check out James Sons, but you also got to check out Manscaped. Guys, summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be that guy at the beach with Austin Powers chest hair. And if you grew some winter man boobs, it's all right. The least you can do is make sure they are hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHGO. I'm someone who enjoys being well-groomed, constantly getting my hair cut, keeping the beard mustache lined up, also keep my chest hair in control. Doing all of that keeps me confident in my look. And Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with a performance package 4.0. The kit comes with an essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. And having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHGO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHGO at manscaped.com. Trim your testicles with the besticles. Perfect. You did it. Did I improve my quality maybe? Whoa, look, I had another tab open so I could focus and not see myself reading. Um, and now you're you're crystal clear and we're back. Perfect. I, I just did the whole back out and come back in thing. You know, the whole IT, oh. <laughs> unplug it, plug it back in, see what happens. I knew there was no way because someone said, well, you need to get better upload speed. Anytime I check my upload speed, it's in the 30s. It's just oh, no yeah, no way that should be a problem, but. I'm glad we can move on and we can now discuss more Chicago Bears rookies. And what a great person to pick right back up on. We have Roshan Johnson. Rojo is in the house, crowded running back room. But when you look at it, Nick, and yeah, there you go. Hook him. I knew that was coming, Joey. Knew that was coming. Uh, now that you don't have anyone like with a big contract, and they didn't last year because Monty was on a rookie deal and things like that, but he drafted him pretty high. And I think they felt tied to him. But now everyone's kind of on even playing ground, and it will allow the Bears to have this by-committee approach, a full-on mm-hmm. running back committee, and I'm excited to see how it goes. But regardless, for some reason in my gut, you know I love Khalil Herbert. You know we talked Foreman up a bit throughout free agency, but something about Roshan Johnson makes me believe and makes me feel like he's going to have a bigger impact than a lot of people who aren't closely following the Bears are going to fail to kind of realize until it's too late. You know, well, I think that's, uh, I like that feeling, and here's why. Because when he was at Texas, obviously, you know, he's behind the number one running back. And I think here in Chicago, like, that's not the case. You just said it's a running back by committee approach. There is no upper echelon, he's a solidified guy. So it's whoever honestly shows the best at, you know, reading the gaps, being patient with their runs, can exploit the hole when it's open. That's who's going to get the reps. And what Roshan Johnson also has to, and not Deontay Foreman and like Khalil Herbert, like he's a he's a big dude that can move, right? And I think that's an asset, especially in shorter yardage situations too. So, and I'm not just limiting him to that, but that's just a compliment to what he also has to where it can make him even more dangerous on the football field. And when you see like his, I, f- I forgot exactly his 40 speed, but his play speed seems faster when mm-hmm. I was just watching some of his highlights and just watching him run in the open field. So Roshan Johnson, watch out Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, man. Like this guy is coming to play and he will get his reps. I think in his rookie season, again, we, we'll see how that all looks. We saw the bears at times go Khalil Herbert. You get this drive. The, uh, Dave Montgomery will get another drive and they, it varied. It, it varied, and you couldn't pinpoint exactly how it was going to go, but now I really don't because now there's three running backs. 
and it can go maybe just a hot hand one game who knows it's going to be so much fun bigger back physical hard runner but also elusive uh, i mentioned uh, on the draft show last week where he just reminds me a bit of not like little herbert in terms of like everything about him but the vision and the patience is similar to herbert and we saw herbert almost be a top of the NFL in yards per carry last year. And a lot of that was due to his patience uh, in this zone scheme, his ability to find those cutback lanes. And I think Roshan Johnson is going to be able to do the same exact thing in this offense. And listen, running backs go undrafted and have great seasons. Running backs can get drafted in the mid rounds and have really solid years. Damian Pierce last year with the Texans, Mm -hmm. which as we know, we're a bad team like the bears, but he had 939 yards, four touchdowns, 4.3 average. And then James cook is someone too last year who went to Buffalo in the middle rounds. And he only had 106 carries, which that seems pretty in line with what Johnson can get. And he had 560 and three TDs. And I think Johnson being that bigger back and having more red zone inside the 10 opportunities can rack up a few more of those too than we saw out of a James Cook. And we all know how high-flying Buffalo's offense is too. So mm-hmm. just because Roshan Johnson was drafted in the mid-round, just because the Bears have Khalil Herbert signed Deontay Foreman, I believe he can have a a really strong rookie season and make a big impact and kind of cement himself as a, I don't want to say like a bona fide running back one, this offense, because I do like the other talents, but he could turn himself into like the bell cow, the workhorse, the guy moving forward. Like there's no question. That's not without of his possibility. No, it's not. And I forgot exactly what scout it was that came in. So how it kind of worked well is just like after the pick was made, then the area scout that was, you know, really focused in on this particular player would come talk to the media. But I'll tell you this, like he was so impressed with Roshan Johnson. He was telling like a story about where he went to the university of Texas and, you know, you see B. John Robinson's name everywhere, but everyone's talking about Roshan Johnson. And that that's not a slight to, you know, you know, the other running back, but it's just like, that's how much character he has. That's how much a good of a person he is. But he also along these lines and kind of paraphrasing here, like Roshan Johnson is going to be with the bears for a very long time. And he just felt so confident when he was saying it and confident about the player. But yeah, like I think by the, the end of this season, 2023 bears fans are going to be like, man, the bears got a steal in the fourth round with Roshan Johnson. Hopefully that's the case gets enough opportunities and is able to capitalize on them. Vanilla Chill has his spicy take here. Rojo will be RB1 come game one. We got the hot takes on this Thursday show, Will. He can protect the passer, which is a trait that you don't see out of a lot of rookie running backs. That takes some time in this league, and he has it like an innate ability to do so. And it's probably because he played quarterback, started his career Texas as a quarterback, and it's like, I know how it feels, and I want to make sure they don't get hit. So he takes some pride uh, into that, too. All right, let's move on to uh, Noah Soul. I feel like, for me, special teams player this season, maybe a competition for the Sandbacker with Jack Sanborn. I'm not saying he would win it, but I'm saying I would welcome a competition in training camp. You know, let people earn their jobs, even Jack Sanborn earn the job. But, you know, he has the blitzing ability. He can maybe come off the edge here too. But I think if he gets some playing time on defense, he may struggle for some speed. He may have some coverage issues as he continues to develop and learn this NFL game. But I don't see why he couldn't be impactful in a third phase. No, it, that's that's a good point, Will. And that linebacker room is crowded. And I think, you know, him and Sanborn are fighting for one position right now. And, you know, Sanborn's going to be up to the task to do that. He was one of these UDFAs that we're going to, be talking about with this class last year and look what he was able to do for himself in his first, you know, his rookie season. So Noah Sewell, I, I don't know, maybe he comes in on situational pat or passing downs to, to blitz, but I, you know, I think special teams definitely going to be where it's at, but I'm seeing in the comments here, Will, you need to go back up after Roshan Johnson. I was go back testing to everybody. I was seeing if people are realizing we're going in exact order and especially in the mid rounds, I knew we can tease some people a bit and, People want to talk some Tyler Scott. So I'm excited about that. No, Mm -hmm. I I totally just overlooked it in my notes, to be most honest. So Tyler Scott, (laughs) uh, another player who's going to get some chances as a rookie. And even now in this like crowded wide receiver room, I can see him getting those opportunities. 
Uh, and I have another comp, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but Tyler Scott, the speedster, dynamic deep threat here for Justin Fields, tweeted at him immediately after being picked, like, this is where I wanted to go. Let's get to work, Justin. What kind of expectations should we have for rookie receivers? We learned with Bayless, low, 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 or maybe that's a Bayless thing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting with Tyler Scott. I, I'm I'm like up in the air of what to expect in his rookie season because, like you said, it is more of a crowded room. And where does this guy fit in? Because we know that, well, even looking at the back end, you're looking at a guy like Equinemius St. Brown. I know Bears fans are not too high on, on, on him as a player, but he is an asset in, in the blocking, right? And that might be a way he gets himself on the field too. So Tyler Scott does have to show that. But I think for me in his rookie season, given that he's still kind of learning the wide receiver position after being a former running back, and, you know, had his big breakout year this past season for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I think for him, it's like when his number is called where he's running a vertical route down the field, it's like making the most out of that opportunity. We saw Valus Jones Jr. have the opportunity against Dallas, drops the ball, drops a dime from Justin Fields. That's Tyler Scott just capitalizing. That's going to get him more reps to get more into this passing attack that the Bears are. It's going to be an elevated one this, this season. So it's – I don't – I'm putting expectations low because there is a lot more guys in the room and he still, I think needs to develop a little bit more of the route running being a nuanced route runner, things like that. But it's just tough because it's weird to say, but like the bears have a lot of wide receivers and now, now we got, you have to pick and choose how Luke gets, is going to deploy them all. But yeah, definitely having a uh, lower expectations, but that that's not because he's a bad player, but just the situation he's in and, you also got to see some of these other guys, what they can do and chase Claypool and Bayless Jones Jr. I was looking at Khalil Shakur for uh, Khalil like Shakur. A, okay. for a comp in terms of like usage and just like general stat line. So last year, Shakur had 23 targets. Like I can see Scott getting more, but you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how quickly other people like Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, DJ yeah. Moore is going to eat up some of those targets here. Uh, but he got 15 of those 23 targets. And he averaged 16.8 yards per catch, which was the second of all rookies with 10 or more catches and also 11th in the league overall in that same category Shakur was. And I feel like there's a really good chance that Scott, when he ends this season, is up there for rookies for yards per catch just because he's that's the style of receiver he is. He loves the post route. He loves to run by defenders, get open. He has that gear to get open. And then he has an extra gear after he makes a catch, which is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but he's just going to stretch that field vertically, get open on crossers, gain some yards after the catch. And I feel like every time he touches that football, the chain should be moving, Nick. And I think that's a good spot for him to be in and kind of carve himself a really good role as a rookie. I like that, Will. And, you know, also he he had a lot of special team snaps. And so did, uh you know, a guy like Roshan Johnson, who we just finished talking about. So they're going to find ways to make plays on the football field. And maybe it might take a little bit longer, whether it's on offense, defense, whatever uh, player we're talking about here. But it just gives the Bears options. And I see, like, the whole Valus getting – Valus is not getting cut. He, he's not getting cut. The Bears liked Valus Jones Jr. He had a hard – stretch in the beginning of the season. I thought he ended the season a lot better than it started, but he's definitely has an uphill battle to get playing time, but he ain't going to get cut. I'm just so floored. I'm just trying to think about this receiver room and like realize like it has depth. It's crazy how much can change when you have a wide receiver one. It's almost like the mm-hmm. dominoes afterwards kind of fall into place. At least they did here for the bears pretty quickly. All right. Who's next, Nick? I'm not going to trust my list anymore. Oh, uh, we, we touched on Noah Soul, so now we go to Terrell Smith. Yeah, well, we okay, kind of talked right. about Terrell Smith, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we did bring him up, too. And I, don't, I still feel like he's another one that special teams is going to be where mm-hmm. he starts. That's going to be his bread and butter. And, I mean, he has size, physicality, strength, decent speed. He's willing to tackle. He has a good tackle radius. It's kind of like he was built there for the third phase as he develops, and we'll see if it's a Robert. Jo- I mean, Robert Johnson, Jalen Johnson replacement maybe down the line. I still think there's a lot of work between there or here and there. Um, but I know we had that spicy take earlier that Smith can compete for that, you know, outside cornerback two job. Yeah, and I just want to see real quickly with Terrell Smith. If I'm not mistaken, he's also an older 
rookie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 23 years old, will be 24 on July 27th. So he's a guy that, you know, missed or missed uh, some playing time at Minnesota. But he, in his Zoom call, I remember he's like, he was asked, what are you getting? Or he was asked the question, what are you getting in, in the player and the person? He's like, you're getting a mature player on the field and a mature player off the field. So whatever his role is, I feel like a Terrell Smith is going to be a guy that's going to take it the right way. And obviously, like, it's an uphill battle for him to be the, the week one starter. So if that is more of a special teams role, he'll own it and succeed at it. This guy was a track star and was just flying by people. So I want that guy as maybe a gunner on, on, on the edge there, flying down, tackling people. So Terrell Smith, regardless of how his rookie season starts, I know he's going to have the right attitude at whatever responsibility he's given. And I like he's like an ascending player. He's older. He, you know, played in college for that extra year and made the most of it. And that's a good thing. And the Bears, I think, appreciate that. Of course, you want you want to bring in guys that are just dominant all the way throughout their careers. Of course, you want to bring those guys in, but also to bring in a guy that had to work for it and strive to be better. And then he did achieve that. There's room for guys like that on your roster, too. All right, let's move over to Travis Bell and Nick, I, even though they drafted three defensive tackles for some reason, not really for some reason, but I expect he makes the team. If for only one reason, it's because he is Ryan Poles' favorite human, and there's no way in hell that Ryan Poles risks his favorite human getting claimed on waivers. Yeah, that, that'd be a bad look. Uh, you know, your f- favorite human going to a different team. It's like, that's not good. Um, but Travis could also, he can play too there, Will. Um, mm-hmm. We had his head coach, Brian Bohannon, uh, on the podcast on, what was that, Tuesday, Monday? I forget now. But he was, uh, obviously, he's going to have some really good things to say about Travis and what he can do for defense. But he fits the hits principles. He's going to run sideline to sideline. He plays that that three tech that you, you want in this defense. And it's just going to be how does he now adjust to, you know, the NFL and the players he's going to be playing against. Like those centers and guards he was playing, you know, against at, at Ken- Kennesaw State, they're going to be obviously a, a much up, you know, level of talent uh, here in the NFL. So I'm curious to see how that looks and how he adjusts to this. But another guy that's just going to have the right attitude the right attitude regardless of what it is. So uh, Travis Bell, I'm rooting for the guy, and I think a lot of Bears fans are as well. All right, I want to read this comment that uh, uh, we're going to put on the screen, and then I have one more thing about Bell I'm going to ask you. So this comment came from J-Dog. This one, Nick, you're talking about Bell, and this one popped up. J-Dog said, buddy of mine told me he's on a plane with Travis Bell. He said he was shorter than expected, but looks like he can bench the plane. Oh, all right. I love that. I don't care how short he is. You can bet bet any type of weight like that. That means you have explosion and it doesn't matter how big that Carter center is. You're moving him out the way. So I like that. And I mean, he's a hard worker, you know, has that high motor. And even if he's shorter, if he's strong as Hercules out there and he's going to have leverage, that should really help his case out there. So the one question that I wanted to ask you, Nick, it's training camp or three weeks into the thing. Travis Bell's the second or third team defense out there going to go, going up against the ones. And he is putting it to Cody white here. Are you more excited about bell or more concerned about the Bears' center situation with white hair? I think I'd be more concerned about Cody not, not okay. you know, not to <laughs> slight Travis, but I'm like, man, you're getting, you're getting worked by a seventh round draft pick. Hey, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Like Travis Bell, Travis Bell is going to be fighting each and every day to make an impression on this Bears coaching staff to stay on this roster. He's going to be bringing it. And I, you know, Cody, Cody Whitehair is a veteran. He's been here for a while. He's going to have to bring it against some of these guys that are looking to earn a job. And they're doing that with each and every rep. So it's going to be fun to watch. Matthew Rose says, hey, he's the same height as Aaron Donald. And see, that height doesn't matter. Appreciate the extra information here. Last rookie that we need to get to, at least in terms of the draft picks and setting expectations, is Kendall Williamson. And again, we're at this stage to the draft. I'm going to say it again. Special teamer. But unlike the other guys where I looked at paths about developing and growing and becoming a starter, 
my gut after a week of this draft says Kendall Williamson is like a DHC replacement. And I think I said this on Saturday night show. I was running on no sleep. I couldn't tell you anything I said. But for some reason, that's ringing a bell. But he is another guy with a long wingspan, tackle radius. And when you watch him play at safety, he doesn't have all the production he would like. He doesn't have the best play recognition, but he's really athletic. He's willing to accept and play in a special teams role. And he, I think he just has what you want out of that kind of person. And DHC was found in the sixth round, took him years before he actually found some playing time on defense. And I think for Kendall Williamson, his best path forward in the professional league will be that kind of same path, the DHC path that's been carved before I mean, just has to walk it easy. Yeah, it just has to walk it easy. It's not, um, for Kendall Williamson, though, dude ran ran a four four, so he's got some speed behind him, and you know mm-hmm. that that wasn't something that DHC had. He was a guy that learned each and every year, put himself in a good position to make plays. But Kendall Williamson's a little bit more athletic, I would say. But yeah, he, almost like a I would like Elijah Hicks role last year. Right. He was a guy that was, you know, stashed and didn't really see much playing time till later on. And I don't think Kendall Williamson will even see that. But like he's going to be a backup special teams if he wants to make this this roster. And that's that's even an uphill battle here. Maybe practice squad. But that's going to be something where for Kendall Williamson, a guy obviously coming out of Stanford, just just owning that role. Like I said that for a couple of these guys, especially as we're later on. And yeah, you're pointing out to the smarts too that he definitely will display. But yeah, it's definitely going to be just having the right mindset regardless where you're in the NFL. You ain't gonna paycheck each week if you're on the roster, you practice squad. So that's gonna probably be his path early on, and we'll kind of see how it goes from there. Well, Stanford, I think this is the guy who did mechanical engineering. Yeah. So yep. and he's that's, get yeah, it. he's smart, and I think. That's going to be an asset that he can utilize to him in the NFL. All right, that's it for setting expectations. We're going to kind of shift our focus and we're going to talk about which rookie we think can have like the best season. Uh, but before we get to that, and we're going to talk about some undrafted free agents here too, uh, I want to tell you about one of my favorite partners here at CHGO, and that is Shady Rays because they allow me to take on the sun with the gear that is built to last. I literally over there, and I wore them on the show last week at the draft, have my Shady Rays that I bought in 2019 and they are still going strong. And not just that, but they are premium Polaroid shades at an affordable price. They are an independent Shady Rays sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And of course, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every single pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you break or lose your shades, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. And of course, if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There is no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. I For another pair that I lost, had to work with them. And the no questions asked is like the best way to say it. I'm like, hey, I lost it. And they're like, Okay, same address, same same glasses. All right, here you go. We'll be here in a week or you know a few days. Pretty damn cool. And so for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shade rated five stars by over 250,000 people. It's a lot of people, Will. They know what they're doing there at Shady Ray, so go check them out. And you also got to check out ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. Of course, and Comet also offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. Comet also offers free facility assessment that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Well, uh, Comet obviously does a lot of stuff there, but how exactly does it work? Sure, I can walk you through it. First, an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually, and they last about two hours. Then within three or four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, 
and simple payback. So if you own a business, I would encourage you not to wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy savings tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. And I'm making sure I'm, I'm hearing that right. Did you say comed.com slash powering biz there, Will? It was my video that had issues, not my audio. Oh, yes, okay. I said comed.com slash powering biz. Go there today and schedule that assessment. Boom, boom, boom. All Ooh. right. This is Will DeWitt and Nicholas Moriano. Nick made me do the bulk of both of those ad reads. So I'm taking a breath <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and talk some. Uh... So it is May the 4th, as we mentioned at the top, right? And so the first segment was Bears Wars Episode 4, A New Draft. So this, we're going to identify who we believe is going to be the Wookiee of the year, uh, like Chewbacca. So Chewbacca is strong, he's loyal, and he's one of everyone's favorite characters. So who is going to be the Bears Wookiee of the year, Nick? And if it's not Darnell Wright, can I just say if it's not him, we have some problems. Yes, yeah. So that should be like a given, right? Darnell Wright is the guy. And I'm taking this, um, the Wookiee of the year, right? That we're giving <laughs> to these rookies here on May the 4th. Uh, it, and I've thought about like with um, Chewbacca, like the loyalty and, you know, he's going to be there mm -hmm. for you regardless, right? And I'm going with Tyler Scott as that guy. And like I was talking about earlier, He's, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to get. I don't know what it's going to look like for him in terms of playing time on offense this season. But when he's called upon, there's just this belief that I have that he's going to make the most out of his opportunities. And I already said earlier, this is a guy that was playing on special teams too. So you know he's going to bring in that phase. When he gets his chance on offense, you know, is trying to stretch the field vertically and Justin Fields is going to give him a chance, like he's going to come down and make that catch. Even though he's someone still learning the nuances of route running is kind of new to the wide receiver position. But just hearing how, you know, his his introductory press conference, he just seems like a really genuine guy. Bears fans are going to love him. If you don't love him already, you're going to love um, Tyler Scott. And he actually, there was a video that he did for, it looked like a middle school grade or maybe even younger uh, for kids. Like it was his birthday and he kind of gave him a birthday message and the teacher was just announcing it to him and he was in shock but he's like that's a he, Tyler Scott's already impacting Bears fans and he just got here a week ago so I you know I just really like the character and how he's you know just put together in terms of the the mentality physically what he could do on a football field but going with Tyler Scott as my Wookiee of the year I like that a lot and again I want to reiterate that Darnell Wright was the given Wookiee of the year and we did not want both of us as a go, it's going to be Darnell and called mm -hmm. a segment. We wanted to look at some other players outside of Darnell, right? Just because I mean, he's a top 10 pick. He's playing a very important position for the bears. And again, if he isn't the best player out of this draft class, the, unless someone is just at an elite level out of the gate, the bears are going to have some problems, but I'm going to go with the popular guy in the chat so far. And the one that I put in my notes, and that's Roshan Johnson, Rojo, uh, just because of all the experience that he brings to the table. Uh, and again, very well-rounded back. And I can see him really gradually kind of taking this job slowly. I know it's going to be a committee, but you go with the hot hand. And if his hands stay hot and if he stays humble and you know puts his head down and just wants to be part of the room and doesn't want, you know, it just bees himself. And I hate saying that, by the way, really hate saying that, Nick, here on this <laughs> podcast. Don't ever want to be you ever again. Uh he can really make a difference. And again, we talked about expectations. Rookie defensive tackles historically don't have those impactful, crazy numbers. Now they may have other impacts, which we've talked about here for this Bears defense. I'm surprised he didn't go with Stevenson, Nick, after you just wrote an article about him. I thought you may have went that direction. You know, so yeah, Tyreek Stevenson, he, he was the, the guy that I, I wanted to put out there for, for this you know segment here. You know, it went beyond play for me for this award. Um, and obviously like, you know, how they do on the field is going to be more recognized than anything. But I was thinking like just Chewbacca and just how his loyalty, he's always there, you know, always was there re regardless of the situation. And that's how I kind of felt with, with Tyler Scott. Like, even though he might not be there all the time, he's got your back. He's going to be there for you regardless. So he's like a good neighbor. 
Like a good, yes. State Farmer's there. Tyler Scott is there. There we go. You know what I'll say about Roshan, though? I Book it right now. May 4th. He's going to win the Brian Piccolo Award. I already know it. Brian Piccolo Award, rookie Brian Piccolo Award winner. Uh, I know all these other guys are great, but it's going to be Roshan Johnson. Just just book that, bookmark that right now. Book it. I, I like it a lot. But, I mean, Johnson just, I mean, when he's in Texas, you talk about loyalty. I mean, he made a switch. He didn't want to be a running back. They had injuries. And then he excelled. And there was times, even last year, I, I believe it was, where he was on special teams making some special teams tackles. And yep. they ended up, like, getting down a couple linebackers. And he's like, hey, if you need me to go out there playing linebacker, just let me go out there and I'll play some linebacker. <laughs> like, this guy is just a football player. And that's something that I really respect and appreciate uh, out of him, too. So that was our Wookiee of the Year here on May 4th, uh, which, nice and festive, nice and festive. All right, so just to kind of end the show, Nick and I uh, both kind of audited the undrafted free agents. So more rookies to talk about here. Uh, but here are some guys that we're going to be paying attention to come mini camp, potentially training camp if they're still here on the roster at that time. And Nick, I know you had a couple of guys. You took one of my players that was on my short list, but I told you go first, so that's okay. But who are those rookies? I almost said Wookie again. We're past that segment. Who are those rookies that went on drafted that the Bears signed that you're very intrigued by? So I uh, is this the player, Tyson Bajant? From the quarterback. I mean, from, honestly, Nick, you took the two big ones. So yeah, it was really yeah, easy yeah, for me yeah. to say really either of them. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the QB is very interesting. And also the lineman that you have in your list, too, that you bring up in a moment. Yeah. And Tyson's the quarterback from Shepard, six foot three, 213 pounds, won the Harlan Hill Trophy in 2021. It's Division II's top player, uh, essentially their, their Heisman. He threw for 5,000 yards and 53 touchdowns in 15 starts that season. And then in 2022, 4,580 yards, 400 completions, 41 touchdowns. His dad, though, was almost equally as interesting, Will. And I got a shout-out to my dad for sending me the video of Tyson Bajan's dad and what he what he does. He's a professional arm wrestler. He was. And his nickname, I guess maybe a self-proclaimed nickname, was The Beast. And he won 17 world championships in arm wrestling. So if you see Tyson out there just slinging it it's because he gets it from his dad he's got a cannon so i'm curious to see you know how this guy does um just you know obviously in the nfl setting i know his dad was asked who should be the you know the first pick in the draft he's like it should be tyson or and it's like yeah your dad's always gonna say it no matter what but (laughs) what he really believes in him uh likes his game he set like all the records there at shepherd and you know is an interesting story and i'm curious to see how he does uh you know at the nfl level yeah, uh, I mean, very interesting one. He, I think, part of the Senior Bowl too, right? Played for Getsy there yes, too. Another Getsy Senior Bowl mm-hmm. connection, which, I mean, it yeah. isn't a coincidence at this point, Nick. There's no coincidence here. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, he played on the American team, was on Getsy squad. We know Darnell Wright was also on Getsy squad. We know Tyreek Stevenson was on the American team. They, they have a thing here. The Senior Bowl, the American team, they have the dots. Will, do you want to give your guy and then we'll go back or? Yeah, I I, I got, I can start with my first guy here. So we're going to go with Andre Schmidt, Nick, the kicker out of Syracuse, Vernon Hills native born Lake Forest, Illinois. So he's coming home, which is really interesting. He won the Lou Groza award, which is uh, the award in college football for the best place kicker as a freshman Back in 2018, I'm sure in 2018, we could have used him on our team. That's all I'm going to say about that. 81% on kicks inside of four yards throughout his career. He is Syracuse's all-time leader in points and 13th in FBS history. His 85 career field goals is sixth all-time in the FBS. Uh, He's a four-time nominee of the Burlesworth Trophy, which goes to the best player in the country that began as a walk-on. So he's someone that didn't get a scholarship out of the gate, had to earn his spot uh, as a kicker, which, you know, any spot is impressive. I just want to throw that out there. And he's made five field goals of 50 or more. Uh, He hit 54 yards twice. And I know Cairo Santos' range is a little limited. And for the Bears who had accuracy issues at kicker, I think we accepted it for a while. Like he doesn't have the biggest leg, but at least he's hitting field goals at a very good clip. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I think last year there were times where I wish we had a kicker with a slightly stronger leg to go out there and try some of these longer attempts. So another reason why I like Schmidt. And this year he had a game with uh, five field goals, which was a school record, including a game winner in that same contest. So a very productive clutch kicker that was born in Lake Forest of all places. And we know the Bears like their local players. They brought a lot in, and they like their local guys. So we we see the Bears' trends and what they kind of go for. Another guy that I like from these UDFAs and been brought up here in the chat a bunch of times, Gabe Hoy, the 24-year-old offensive lineman. Um, There was a highlight video of his kind of circulating on social media, and I think it represents him as, like, the person and the player. It was the song that's playing in the background is one from Metallica. And you just immediately get fired up seeing, you know, Gabe go out there and just destroy opposing defensive players. But the guy in 2022 was limited to just five starts due to injury. Didn't make his debut until September 24th. First Rhode Island, he was continuing some rehabilitation from offseason surgery. So uh, only played five games and all five of those starts were a right tackle in 2021 more. Uh, he was able to stay on the field, played in 13 games, started in 12 of them, nine starts at right tackle three at right guard and helped, you know, keep Kenny Pickett upright. And that offense, that offense averaged 41.4 points per game and 486 yards. That offense was explosive. And, you know, Gabe was also a part of that um, in 2021, kind of going down here in 2020, played in nine games, eight starts at right tackle, and he was named the All-ACC Academic Football Team in 2019, played in 12 games, started initially six at right guard. 2018, he played in six games, and then in 2017, he was a red shirt as a freshman. So obviously been in school for a while. He's an older prospect at 24. But another, you know, lineman that you can put out there at right tackle has a versatility to go inside and more competition there and just more depth if, um, you know, something were to happen. But obviously – he has, to, he has to prove himself this weekend for the Bears for anything to happen. And, you know, the Bears should be looking at this group of UDFAs like, who's our next Jack Sanborn, right? Because they just did it a season ago and he played meaningful minutes. So uh, Gabe Hoy is the guy I wanted to highlight here from Pitt. Hoy. Hoy. You know what I thought yeah. about? Like uh, God of War, Kratos, he's, he's like, boy. And I'm like, oh, let me put boy, Kratos, how to pronounce his last name, Gabe Hoy. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's great. I saw people talking about the the one defensive back. The thing name is Nugget. I, I forgot his oh, yeah. Sean. Yeah, but that, that's one I keep seeing in the chat a couple of times. But my last player, I just want to highlight. And again, we're just looking at these guys and we're not like saying they're going to make the team. They're going to be impactful players. But we're saying like they're definitely people to worth like just keeping eyes on as this whole thing kind of unveils. But I'm looking at Jalen Harris, the edge, which we need an edge out of Arizona. And it's not because his dad was a Chicago bear, Sean Harris, uh, but I, I love his athleticism. He had a 8.66 ra- uh, RAS score, six, four, a little thinner though at 257. He's a speed rusher, definitely not a power rusher. His strength is not his, uh, well, <laughs> strong suit. I, I should say his, he had a 2.71 score for his 18 bench reps just to put that one into perspective. But when you watch him, you see speed, you see explosion off the ball, a huge tackle radius and wingspan. Not the best bend. He can work on that. But I think with good coaching, maybe a pass rush specialist off the edge, unfortunately, probably like a one trick pony with some finesse moves more so than those power moves like bull rushes, but still an interesting player at a position of need that, Again, is it someone to kind of keep tabs on right now? But uh, overall, Nick, it's 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 going to be interesting to find out who is this year's like Jack Sanborn, and more importantly, and maybe not more importantly, but also importantly, when you look around the league, because the Bears are number one in those waiver wires. Who are some of the other guys that are those fringe mm-hmm. players that get cut that hope teams hope to stash in our practice squad, and the Bears will have their you know fair share of the pickings uh, on them too, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like the bear, this might not be the group exactly where the bears find, you know, quality, quality player. And maybe they don't, you know, look, it's not easy to find like an ex Jack Sanborn. That's not, that doesn't happen every single year, but the bears will do their homework and it starts tomorrow where the bears 
We'll have rookie mini camp Friday and Saturday. We'll be in the building, be on the practice field, have rep in the seas and, and, you know, the bears in, in uniform there. So I'm curious to see how these guys look um, and what helmet and shorts uh, these next two days. There we go. And just real quick on Hoy, my one note in my notes that I put was one nasty SOB, which I think I summed it up perfectly. Perfect. Yep. One nasty SOB for Hoy. I like it. <laughs> there we go, Nick. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I thought that was a very, I mean, I'm biased, but I thought it was a really fun episode. I enjoyed learning from you uh, throughout it and setting some expectations. And uh, I think you and I both appreciate and respect setting expectations because it does allow us to set the framework for the season ahead and, and not getting, you know, totally obscure one way or the other. It kind of keeps us right on, right on track. Yeah. Keep us right on track. And I appreciate the, you know, the entire chat for coming in here, hanging out with us on, you know, today's show and hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed it. We'll have more tomorrow uh, after bears rookie mini camp. So tune in for that, but yeah, we're saying the expectation is rookie draft class. I'm already excited. I, like I say, I want football season to be here. I do want a little bit of a break, but I'm curious to see how this team comes together. There's a lot of new faces, and it's going to be fun to watch in 2023. Yes, it is. Can't wait for your guys' update after the first day of minicamp here tomorrow. I know I'm going to be tuning in, paying attention to everything to come out, and I look forward to it. But for now, I hope everyone enjoyed the show as much as Nick and I enjoyed hosting it for you. We'll be back here soon. Uh, but until then, have a great day, and of course, bear down, Chicago.